Now I will be Pastor Joe. Now I will share with you this message that I am so excited about um, as we go into this. But first of all, I want to have a prayer. You know, there's a, a story in the Bible. There's a whole book, actually. It's called Job. Um, some people will say Job, but it's actually Job. Um, and Job was a man who was righteous before the Lord. And Job had this habit, okay? Um, because his children, he had many, many, many children, okay? Um, and his children liked to get together and have a good time. And usually when his sons had parties at their houses, invited all their sisters uh, over, and they had a big party, and it was wonderful, Job would wake up the next morning, and he would be like, hmm, ah, I wasn't at the party because the kids don't invite me, but what if they sinned at the party? What, what if they sinned before the Lord God? And so he would sacrifice and say, you know, hey, what about that? Let me just uh, make a sacrifice for my children. Now, I'm not doing that for you. However, I am stopping and saying, hey, why don't we just come before the Lord and pray and dedicate this morning to him, okay? So let's just do that. Fathers, we come before you. We do thank you for today. God, I thank you for this message that you put on my heart. Father, we are human beings trying to understand how to be in relationship with you. And so, Holy Spirit, we say, come. We want you to be here to affect us. God, all of those times that we thought that those people that were full of the Spirit were weird, break down those walls in our own lives. Break down those walls. Because we want to represent you in 2024, Lord. And we recognize that as we leave 2023, Father, that we may be leaving sin. Goodness knows, Father, we're still wrestling with our humanity. And so as we come before you, God, in accordance with your word, we just, we just confess that, God, we struggle with sin still, even in the midst of our humanity. And God, we thank you and we seek, we ask, and we thank you for your forgiveness. God, I thank you that you cast my sins and the sins of this congregation right here as far as the east is from the west. And we have yet to fathom that distance, and that's your point. And that you remember it no more. You don't bring it up. You don't hold it against us. But you invite us to move forward. And so as we come before you right now, Lord, we make this sacrifice. We give up our hearts to you. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to me. In the midst of all of this, speak to me again. And I pray, God, that you have a word for each person in here. In Jesus' name, amen. That's going to be an important thing. As I say quite often, it's really, really important when you come in here that you actually believe that God wants to say something to you. And it may be through a new song or a song that we've sung forever, and it's just a lyric, and you, you just embrace that lyric, and you're like, wow, that is meaningful to me today. That's God speaking to you. And so I want to encourage you to believe that God has something that he wants to say to you and that you're not going to waste the next little bit of your, your life um, in this building doing whatever. Let me share with you a scripture that comes out of 1 Peter chapter 2 um, to launch this off. It's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about a man named Achan. But right now I want to open it up with Peter because I want to talk about who you are going into 2024. Who are you going to be from here on out? I really, really love the idea that if you will be the same person on Sunday morning that you are on morning, Monday morning, then you won't have to worry about being fake and you won't have to worry about um, did you say the right thing or do the right thing. You just stick to the truth and continue to be the best you that you can possibly be and you don't have to worry about anything else. Just be you. Now, I know, speaking for myself, that that's a dangerous thing to look in my mirror and say, Joe, just be you because I know my faults like nobody. 
But in all reality, who are you? And Peter says this in Second Peter, or excuse me, First Peter, chapter two, beginning of verse nine. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, okay? You are not a gathered group of people. Once you were just sleeping in on Sunday morning, doing your own thing, and who cares, and getting up and having a Thomas's English muffin, okay? You didn't care about God, and you didn't care about church. Once you were not a people, but now, now, You are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy because you didn't realize you were a sinner in need of salvation. But now, but now you are the people of God and you have received mercy. And so I just want to unpack that for just a split second going into it. You are chosen by God. You are not left over, but the ruler of the whole universe would have sent his son down to this planet to die for just you. If you were the only one in all of eternity that would have said, I need Jesus, God, please forgive me. You have to wrap your head around that. I can't make you believe it. The scripture says, who but for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He embraced the cross for just Joe Wood. It's for everybody But I don't get to say everybody. I have to admit that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Me personally. I don't get to say, oh, for the sins of the whole world. I have to say I, me. And then I can embrace that with the whole world. So we see that we are chosen. We are not left over. You're not the last person picked like when you were in junior high school before you came into your own and was this svelte body athletic person that I am now. It's like I didn't used to be this. I was a scrawny kid that graduated high school at six foot two and 135 pounds if you can imagine. Yes, if you can imagine that. Okay, a good solid wind up in Ohio, and I would have been in Michigan. I would be, say, I'm from Michigan now, see, Um, because that's just who I was. And then my mom always told me, honey, when you hit 32, your your metabolism's going to change, and you're going to wish that you still had it. And I hit 32, and she was right. And now I am more mass on the earth holding the planet in rotation around the solar system, and that's what I cling to right now, okay? It's like I'm helping you stay on the planet, and the planet stay in its path. That's the important thing, all right? But I'm not a leftover. In junior high, I was that leftover. All right, we'll take Joe. That's how they said to me. I was not athletic, I was artistic. See? I don't know if you've ever been there, but sometimes we feel like that in front of God, don't we? That he's like, all right, well, I guess I died for you too. No. No, he's after you. He wants you. Peter Peter says that we're a royal priesthood, that we speak on behalf of God himself. King David was the prophet, the priest, and the king, and the Jews know this. He was their greatest king. He had a relationship with God where he was writing praise and worship music like nobody's business. He could sit down and the Holy Spirit would come on him and he would write down what the Lord was saying was coming down a pike. And then he could get up as the king and he could go decimate some Canaanites some Amorites, some Hittites. He could do that because he was understood, he understood that he was part of a royal priesthood. 
He belonged to God. He was a holy nation. He was not of a nation on this earth. You and I are not of a nation. I'm not saying you have to hate America. That's not what I'm saying at all. All I'm saying is as ambassadors for Christ, we recognize that once we surrender our citizenship to heaven, that our citizenship is in heaven. And from here on out, we represent the king of heaven. See? And so that's our job down here is to represent the king while we're in this nation. I would pray that if for some reason you were a Christian human being in Russia, that you would still understand that you are a child of God Almighty before you are anything else. And that you would be the same Christian there that you are here. Because we've been called to be Christian people. We are a holy nation. See? We don't have our own land. We don't have our own island. We don't have our own continent. What we have is Christian people that can come together from all over the globe and say, we belong to God. When I went to Zimbabwe with a team from this church, there were Christian people in Zimbabwe already. And we hadn't even showed up yet. It's not like they got saved so they could get ready because we were coming. God was already there. We belong together as a nation, Peter says, of people all over the world. You're part of the group. But the holy part of that nation means that you've been set aside. That's what it means. Dedicated to, set aside, consecrated. You belong to God. When I'm watching TV, I belong to God. When I'm listening to music, I belong to God. When I'm interacting with my wife, I belong to God. When I'm interacting with my dogs, I belong to God. When I'm interacting with my children, when I'm interacting with my grandchildren, when I'm inter interacting with my nieces and nephews, when I'm interacting with my family, I belong to God. Represent. Represent. We're special to God as his possession. Do you have anything that you own that's really special to you? I do, and I'd tell you what it was because I would want you to know because you don't know if I didn't live on social media. So you really know all of the things that are special to me. My wife, 40 years of marriage, my dogs, my children, my grandchildren, and my nieces and nephews. Sure. It's precious. They are precious to me. Well, look at here. You are special to God, and the Scripture calls you his possession. You belong to him. He will fight for you. He will defend you and protect you if you will stand in his shadow and follow him. Then he can do that. I often would tell my kids, if I can't get you to do what I ask you to do, then I'm afraid I can't always protect you. Because you're out there. If I say don't run in the road, I'm trying to protect you. But if you run in the road, if you do what I say don't do, I can't protect you. Because you're out there. But if we can stay inside of the teachings of Jesus, he can protect us. We can walk with him. Because we're special. And more than that, Peter says we've received mercy, meaning that you and I are forgiven. We're forgiven. 
It's the picture of Abraham standing before the kings as he traversed to where God was going to take him. It's Joseph in Pharaoh's palace. It's Moses watching Pharaoh's army drown. It's a shepherd boy named David in the palace of the king. God took people who were nothing, and if he could get them to believe that they were precious, a holy people, a royal a priesthood, a holy nation, if he could get them to believe that, then they believed that they were created for something bigger and better, and they kept ending up in places that were absolutely amazing. It was Gideon leading 300 people to wipe out thousands. And he said, who am I, Lord? It's Elijah facing down an evil, uh, Elijah facing down an evil queen and her husband and 850 prophets that came against him. And God was in such a relationship with him that he dreamed about. And it's Elisha watching Elijah get into a fiery uh, chariot and go home to be with God, a man who didn't even die when he left the planet. Wow. That's the picture of you and I. Can you wrap your heart around the idea that you belong to God like that? And as such, we are called to represent, to declare his praises to the world. What is the most amazing thing that happened to you over the Christmas break? Where did God walk into your life? And I don't mean he got you the new, you know, dolly that spits and pukes and cries and says, Mama, and that's not what I'm talking about. Where did God walk into your relationships? Where did God walk into your Christmas? Where did God walk into your heartbreak? Where did God walk into your darkness? Where did God walk in and just show up? And, and just I'm not saying maybe he split the seas, but it was so obvious that it was God that you had to stop and say, let me tell you what God did. I was so excited to hear my little sister call me and, and she was, uh, you know, they had a car and it broke down. It was leaking oil everywhere and it was going to cost $13,000 to get it fixed and it was awful. It was terrible. You said Volkswagen, but um, that's not, the Volkswagens aren't bad. Okay. I'm just saying this particular car. And so, you know how it is when it's a foreign car and it was, she took it to dealership and she took it to the mechanic and she took it to another mechanic and she was worried and she was crying. And I kept saying, God will take care of you, Beth. God will do this thing. And she called me back and she said, I had to go fight with the with the mechanic and I said how'd that fight go she said it was pretty amazing um, the mechanic got under there and said you know there's this bolt that's loose that's leaking oil and uh, he tightened that bolt and it stopped leaking oil and it ran just fine and no lights came on and no things went off and no it was he all he had to do was tighten that bolt one bolt literally tighten the bolt that's all he had nobody would tighten the bolt but they all gave her a thirteen thousand uh, dollar estimate and she said, God, you've got to enter in here. You have got to crash into my life. I don't have $13,000 for car repair. And the Lord told the mechanic, tighten the bolt. And he told her, he said, I tightened the bolt. Let's just see if that works. <laughs> I don't know anything about Volkswagens, except the motor used to be in the back. Beating the Beatles, you know. But all they did was tighten the bolt. She said, God, she had to testify. She called me. She had to testify. She had to represent the kingdom of God to my face. We came through the Christmas season. I'm telling you right now, I have been in this community, and you hit it out of the park. You did. You, okay? 
you as us, as a holy nation of people gathered together called the vineyard, you hit it out of the park. You gave enough, you served enough, you built enough, you loved enough, you prayed enough, you did the things. And here's the crazy part. I have no problem whatsoever bragging and testifying when something really exciting happens in my life. Have you met my dog, Frank? Every time somebody tells me Frank is a good dog, I run home and tell my wife, Frank is such a good dog. And she said, why does that surprise you? And I said, I don't know. She said, you did it. I said, well, I, I'm not taking credit for it. He's Frank. I don't have a problem talking about Frank. I don't have a problem talking about you in this community when, when, when heathens, at least, let's just call them heathens, okay, when heathens, at least, that I'm having coffee with or something like that are sitting around going, well, what's your church going to do for Christmas? What are you guys doing? Is anything going? And I start listing the things from Thanksgiving for. I start listing things from the harvest party, the pumpkin party forward. And I begin to say, they did this and they did this and they gave here and then somehow this happened and then this happened and we got to go out in the community and do that and we got to do this and I keep saying, and Jesus, and Jesus, and Jesus because when we're excited about something nobody has to drag it out of us and I'm telling you right now I am all tied up inside keeping my mouth shut about some secrets I'm not the person to tell secrets to if you're excited and I'm just telling you when I'm excited about you I brag on you I do I brag on your giving I brag on your getting plugged in. I brag on your children coming to pray for me on the 24th while I'm standing there. And I thought they wanted a Jolly Rancher. And they said, nope. We came to pray for you. You know, little 8 and 10-year-old type people. It's like, what? Whose church does that? Yeah, your kids. Your kids do that. And I have to tell people about it. Because I'm excited to see Jesus in their life. I brag on you going to strangers' homes and giving them food and praying for them. I brag on you making 700 cake pops to take to the Madison County Detention Center. <laughs> right now, some of you are going, what? Ask me about it and I'll brag on you. You just didn't happen to know about it. Some of you did. But it was an amazing outreach opportunity and we captured it. I brag on your music abilities, your singing abilities, your leadership abilities, and your public speaking abilities. I brag on you. You are not average. I promise you, you are not an average group of human beings gathered together to worship God. You are, in all sincerity, above average. As people, we tend to have no problems talking about the things that excite us. When I worked for my brother-in-law, he was selling contractor supplies and I sat down in a two-hour meeting and he told me what the supplies were and I got so excited about them that he took me to the Dayton Home and Garden Show and I walked in there and started selling this stuff to anybody that would listen to me. And some of the other salesmen that had been working for him for a couple of months or a couple of years said, how can you sell this stuff this readily? And I said, because I know what the facts are and I'm so excited about it. How can you not get excited about uh, selling somebody a product that will allow them to build a house that's 3% more expensive than wood, but it's poured concrete and starts at an R40 in the walls. How can you not get excited about a 1,500 square foot house that you have to be so careful what size light bulbs you put inside the socket because it will warm the house? Literally, 
will warm the house, cutting down on a heating bill. Because when you're excited about something, you can talk about it. And I can sell some puppies and I can sell some cars that I'm also excited about. We talk about these things and when we talk about them to other people, we're representing. I'm always, my mom always told me, making a little shift here, always remember who you are when you leave the house. You, were you one of those people? Your mom, you're headed out the door and she said what? Don't forget who you are. We still tell our kids that? I did. Hey, when you go, don't forget who you are. You know, your children are about to be unsupervised. Your mom had a good reason for telling you that, didn't she? Come on, you're like, oh, yeah, it's a good thing my mom didn't come. You know, it didn't show up at the party, whatever it was. But it's okay. When you're out in the world, you're representing. That's how it works. When you're out there, you're representing your family, you're representing your parents, you're representing your church. When you're out there as adults, you're representing your, your workplace. We see that. But as Christians, we represent God. All of us have moments in our days when we do well, and then we have moments when we don't do well. And thank God, those are the moments in 1 John chapter 1. The scripture says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, however, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. As Christian people, we are not perfect. I am certainly not perfect. I am still Joe Wood wrestling with Joe Wood as I try to sacrifice him to God Almighty on a daily basis. Am I redeemed? Yes, absolutely. Am I saved? No doubt about it. Not worried about my salvation. Might be a little embarrassed about some of the things I've done, said, or since I got saved, but I'll give account for those. Okay, scripture says so. But saved? Absolutely. Joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Thank you. Let me grab a hold of that because I have the right to forgive people and to, to speak forgiveness in people's lives. What we forgive on this earth will be forgiven in heaven, the scripture says. That's what we've been called to do. Children of the most high God. Yes, I can go boldly before the throne of grace to find help in my time of need or want because he's my dad. As long as no is an okay answer. Am I human? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm harder on myself than anybody outside of myself will ever be. Why is it that we have that struggle? So I would encourage us, let us not receive permission to live sinfully because of all these things, but rather to give ourselves the same grace that we give other people. Can you give yourself grace for your struggles? Can you give yourself love for the difficulties that you go through? Nevertheless, we need to be aware that we're representing God. In the book of Acts chapter 11, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him. Um, to Antioch for a whole year Barnabas and Saul met with the church and stayed with a great number of people and I shared this scripture with you because it's that last line that I want to share with you the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch and a uh, Christian was a derogatory term it was a derogatory term okay they, they tried to use it to shame the Christians <laughs> you Christians you know you know how people do sometimes we got to find a way to maybe you know they give you a nickname 
you know, and they make fun of you at school or something like that. But that's what they were doing in Antioch, and they were trying to make fun of the Christians. And the Christians were like, well, watch what we do. We're going to make this a, a, a way to represent Jesus. Call me a Christian, and, and I'll live out, you know, it's like, it means little Christian, little Christ. See, you're trying to be like Jesus. And it's like, yes, yes, I am. Give a Christian something that, that is holy to us, and, and we'll turn it into a necklace, Right? Like get a cross up there that thousands and thousands of criminals have been crucified on, but when they crucify our Jesus on it, we'll wear them around our neck. Yeah, we'll make something holy out of it. And so we represent God, and that is incredibly, incredibly important um, for us to do as we go out from here into this community. And that's why it is so important. There's a story in the book of um, Joshua that I really actually want to hit on today as we go into 2024. It's in Joshua 6 through 8. It's super, super, super familiar to a lot of Christian people, really familiar to a lot of non-Christian people. It's the story of Joshua and Jericho and Ai. Ai was the next town that he came to after Jericho. Jericho's the one that fell down because he screamed and hollered. You've, you, you, can you track with me on that one? Okay, so Joshua comes to Jericho as they go into the promised land after they've left Egypt and spent 40 years in the wilderness. And uh, they march around Jericho once a day because the people in Jericho lock it all up, and make it tight so that the, the um, Jews can't come in, the Hebrew people can't come in and take them down. So once a day for six days, they march all around it. And then on the seventh day, they march all around it, playing their trumpet trumpets and their horns, but at the end of it, the seventh time around, they scream bloody murder, and the, the walls just collapse. They just collapse, and they go in there, and they're supposed to, to kill everything that has breath of life in it except Rahab and her family, okay, and that's a whole other story for another time, but they're supposed to put everything to the sword because it belongs to God. They're supposed to put all the bronze, all the gold, all the silver. They're supposed to give it to the tabernacle. That's the temple in the wilderness, and so it all belongs to God, and for the rest of the conquest, it will all belong to the people, but this is God's 10%, and I'm not, this is not a message about tithing, but this is God's 10%. And so they go in there and they do this, and then there's a problem. There's a problem. They're going to go take AI, and as they go to take AI, um, they go scout it out, and they say, hey, you know, uh, Jericho crashed down. We're not going to have to send everybody. Let's just send a couple thousand guys. It's all good. So they send 3,000 3, people. It says, uh, concerning Jericho... Joshua said that the Lord said, The city and all that it is, is in it is to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all that were with her in her house will be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it all. All the silver, all the gold, all the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. Okay? Israel gets to keep nothing. It all belongs inside the, the treasury of the tabernacle. All the animals, everything, okay? But then you skip down to chapter 7 and it says, but the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. So they've gone to Ai, to the next town. They decide they don't have to send quite as many people. As they go up there, only 36 Israelites get killed. But 36 amongst one and a half or two million people by now as far as Israel is concerned, is too big of a number. 3,000 men go against AI, I believe is what the number was. 36 get killed. We're talking barely 
and they come running home screaming bloody murder, and they don't conquer Ai just yet. And God says, you sinned. And it says, but the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. And Achan, that's the guy, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, of the tribe of Judah, another sus person in the lineup of Jesus, a thief, a gold stealer, in Jesus' family. Hmm. So of the tribe of Judah took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against all of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Bethaven at the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied it out. When they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go. Just send two or 3,000 men to take it. Don't weary the whole army. Just a few people live there. About 3,000 men went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai who killed 36 they chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. And at this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. And then they began to cry out, God, why did you do this? Oh, come on. And God said, because you have sinned against me. You have sinned against me. This son of Carmi, this Zimri, this son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah. Wow. So Achan replied, they, they lined them all up and they found out that it was Achan. And he said, it's true, I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw the plunder in Jericho, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and I took them and they are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath it. So they knock down Jericho. He sees all the stuff that can be his that will make him wealthy, that will make him rich, that will set him apart from everybody. When nobody's looking, he collects it all up, throws it in a bag, runs back to his tent, digs a hole in the dirt. Digs a hole in the dirt. Puts in that Armani three-piece suit with the shoes and the tie, maybe an ascot, a couple of cufflinks that were worth a little bit. Throws in uh, somebody's 401k worth of gold and silver and then packs it all and then puts something over top of it and then puts the dirt back in it so that uh, he, he had to hide what he stole. He didn't get to use it. He did not get to do this, and he thought that nobody saw it. But listen, God sees it. God sees the sin. God sees the brokenness. God sees that we've offended him. God sees that we let him down. God sees that we did this. And he said, no, we're going to stop. We're not going any further than AI until we get this worked out. And when it's all said and done, they have to take AI and his family and his donkeys and everything out, and they have to stone it and burn it and do all the things to it. And, and it's a horrible thing, and the community has to do it, and it's awful. But I was just thinking about this. You know, it's like, you know, you can't hide the money somebody once told me. You know, somebody got a new car. It's like, you can't hide money. It's like, okay, stop, stop. But seriously, they've been traveling in the wilderness for 40 years. They really basically have nothing except the clothes on their back, the shoes on their feet, the flocks that they're herding along, and, and, and the, the tabernacle that they've got to keep setting up in the wilderness. And I, I began to ask myself, what did Achan think he was going to do with this stuff? I mean, can you, can you imagine that they get to where they're going to go in the promised land and then suddenly here comes Achan in this brand new chariot, wall-to-wall Bose speakers. You know, it's got a moonroof on top of it. He's got big spinner 33-inch wheels on it and it's chrome and, and a two-horsepower up front pulling it, match set, you know, a Clydesdales. And, they're just, and nobody else has anything and they're going to say, wow, that uh, Achan, he did okay for himself, didn't he? 
They're going to say, Aiken, where'd you get this stuff? I mean, isn't it awful that when sin comes and then we have to hide it and you can't get it out from your tent, but it threatens to kill you? And here's Aiken, and, and he thought he was going to just hang dingle balls all around the thing. You say, what's a dingle ball? Look it up afterwards, okay? But it, it was a thing in the 70s. All right. But, but think about it. This is what was going on. Because Achan was about to allow his, pro- his propensity to sin to keep him from the provision of God's wealth. Because he didn't look down the road. He only looked right now. They're going to go through the promised land and they've got to push the Amalekites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the, um, all, the, all the ites. They've got to push them all out. You can't carry all that sin with you every time you wipe somebody out and do that. He was going to trade what God wanted to do in his, in his life for the here and now and give me what I want. Just like, I mean, we've heard this story before. It's the story of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. God, but we want a child now. God, but I want to be married now. God, but I need a house now. God, but I need to buy a new car now. And some of us have lived that out where we crossed the line and it's like what we wanted threatened to kill us and and put us in financial ruin. Because we were tempted. I actually wrote this down because he had a Babylonian robe, 200 shekels of silver, and a 50-shekel wedge of gold. And it was all hidden in the dirt. And the problem was that he was tempted. Can I just say this out loud? Achan had an Achan that was breaking. His Achan breaking hard. I just wanted to say that. I was sitting in my office and I thought, this is so funny. You know, Billy Ray Cyrus could preach this message. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, Pastor Joe, did you really just say that? It was aching. It was breaking. His aching, breaking heart. And so there it was. But anyway, that being said, when God is leading us, but he's not doing things fast enough to suit us, we begin to take matters into our own hands. And how difficult is that? You and I, going into 2024, have been called to stay the course to keep pursuing God, to keep putting ourselves in church services, to keep putting ourselves in in places that make us uncomfortable, to to keep asking the questions, if this is what the Bible says, then why this? Or what about this? You don't have to be afraid to have doubt. You don't have to be afraid to wrestle with what some of the scripture says. You don't have to be ashamed of yourself because you want to know There's nothing wrong with that. I just say that as Christian people, we keep staying the course because there's a lot more that I don't understand than there is that I do understand. But I can tell you this. I believe with all of my heart. That's why we did a whole sermon series called Believe Through Christmas, okay? I believe with all my heart that following after Christ and the things that I do know that are written down, even though there's so much more I don't know, has changed my whole life. And when God didn't move fast enough to suit me, it was important for me to persevere, not to find a way around God. As we go into 2024, we have to find a way to represent the kingdom of God, all of us. Because pretty soon, that trumpet's going to blow. And we're going to stand before Jesus, and he's going to ask us some questions. And so as we go into... 2024, I want to encourage you, it's time to step up for the King of Kings. I believe God. 
Now help me to step up. What is it that you need to let go of going into 2024? I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about you buried something in your tent. That's a whole message where I can make you feel horribly guilty, but that's just using the scriptures to do something. I don't want to do that. What is it going on in your life right now that you need to change about you? Not about your spouse, not about your children. Something that you need to change. Turn the TV off. Start spending time in the Word on a regular basis. Join a small group. Fast once a week for four hours. Four hours. Just to begin to get a feel for the teachings of the early church. Tithe on a regular basis. Say, hey, I want to be a part of this. It scares me to death. But that's how we fund the food pantry. It's how we fund some of our outreaches. It's how we fund our staff. It's how we fund the lights. It's how we fund the fun. It's how we hear God say, do this, and we say, let's do it. Maybe. I'm not complaining. You have done a great job. You really have. As we move forward, but what do you need to let go of? Attitude? Bitterness? You know, bitterness will hold you back. It will. Bitterness will hold you back. And most of the time that I think, well, I've got the right to be, I don't. I don't. I don't. What about this? What do you need to dig up in your life? You know, sometimes something we've done, something we've said, here you go. Or something that's been, that's been done to us. Like a dandelion. You ever seen a dandelion root? And they can be 24 inches deep. Straight down. In your yard. Your neighbors hate you. Because you won't dig it up. Sometimes it begins to affect your soul. Because it needs to be dug out. You've got to go apologize to somebody that you hurt, I don't know, 10 years ago. But you just keep trying to cover it over and hide it and cover it over and hide it. Listen to me. Your pastor does not expect you to be perfect. This congregation has no right to expect you to be sinless. And we don't get to throw the first rock. Not a one of us. We do get to call each other out. We do get to do that. But it has to be because we love each other and we want to see each other grow in 2024. And then just the last thing is, what do you need to stop hiding? What do you need to stop hiding? What's going on in your life that you feel like, man, if I could just not feel the shame of this thing right here, if I could just speak it and let it go and walk away from it. God's not beating you up with it. God's not making you sweat because of it. God's not making you feel guilty because of it. You are. That's why I said earlier in the message, if we could only give ourselves the grace that we give to other people, see? But it's hard for us to receive it and say, I'm not perfect. Listen to me, I am not perfect. I have sinned. I have asked forgiveness for sin. But I'll tell you what, come with me because I will keep getting back up. I will not let the devil lay me out. You get back up and you win. You stay down and the devil wins. Because God's got grace and forgiveness for you. Let's come to our feet. We're going to go into this closing song right now. We're going to go into this closing song. But here's the deal.
If something inside of this message is resonating with you in that, if you've got to leave something, let go of something, or dig something up so you can continue to move forward, can we pray for you? Just come here real quick. I don't want to belabor this. I want to get you out of here. We can get you into your fun day. But listen, there's something going on and your heart is pounding. You're like, not today. Yes, today, today, today's the day. Come here. We just want to pray for you. That's it. I'm not going to ask you anything. You don't have to speak into a microphone, nothing like that. But you're like, yeah, I buried it in the dirt. I might need to dig it up. I need to go apologize to somebody. I need to deal with this thing that's eating at me. It's just eating at me. It's eating at me. We good? Listen, I want you to embrace 2024. You can always contact this church and say, hey, I just want somebody to pray for me. You can do that. Always. And you might be in here and it's time for you to surrender your life to Jesus. Contact one of us pastors. We'll walk you through that. We'll walk you through that. Okay? Anytime during this song that you feel like today is your day to get prayer, you just come up here and people will appear to pray for you. They will.